Amen. Let's give it up for our band one more time. Appreciate them today leading us into worship and every weekend just their dedication uh, to be here. But we are glad once again that you are in the house today. Uh, my name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, you got me this weekend. Uh, pastor John will be back next weekend. We like to give him every seventh or eighth week off just to rest and rest and refresh. And uh, so he will be back next week. So pray for him. Uh, he's got a great word in store next week. But once again, it's just a delight to be able to preach. Hey, before we jump into the word, we have a quick one more uh, announcement video about this coming Wednesday night. So check uh, out this video. Modern historians have revised, rewritten, and even deleted entire chapters of American history. So what are we missing? What happened to the history that didn't make the books? Join historian David Barton, Tim Barton, and special guests as they uncover the facts some historians don't want you to know. This is America's Hidden History. Amen. So listen, this Wednesday night, kind of the plan is this. As you know, the uh, the Kids Zone opens at 6.30. We have prayer in the sanctuary at 6.30. So it's from 6.30 to about 6.45, we're going to pray. 6.45, we're going to have worship. And then about 7, we're going to watch a video that's talking all about America's Christian heritage, but specifically uh, the Christian influence on the 4th of July and Independence Day. It's going to be amazing. Uh, this is what your kids are not taught in school, but just how God's hand was behind not only our founding, but just even Independence Day and all that. Uh, so if you want to bring your older kids, fifth and sixth grade, you can let them come in here. But this Wednesday night, it's going to be a great time together. Amen? Amen. Listen, let's jump into the Word. We're going to have fun this morning. Fun in church. Does that sound good to you? Amen. Amen. Listen, I want to preach a message entitled, Stretched. Okay? Anybody in the house, have you ever been stretched in your life? Okay, I think I'm in the right place, and I think I got the right message for you today. A uh, quick kind of funny story. Several weeks ago, uh, our family, we went to Branson for a few days just to get away. And uh, while we were in Branson, we went to Silver Dollar City. Have you been there? It's a cool little place, kind of like a Six Flags. And uh, anyway, I have a, a seven-year-old son, and when he found out we were going to go to this amusement park, all he began to talk about was riding a roller coaster, all right? Any, any roller coaster fans in the house, okay? Okay. Anybody like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah like, I ain't doing that. Anyway, he began to just talk about wanting to ride a roller coaster. And so we were like, okay. So we get to the park this particular morning. There's not a lot of people there. School is still going on. And as soon as we get in, he is all about riding a roller coaster. He sees a big one pretty close. And he's like, I want to ride that one. I'm like, okay. So we go up to it, and we have to make sure he's tall enough, and he's just a few inches above the minimum height, and all he's been doing is talking about it. So we get in this line, and as we begin to move forward, I notice that he progressively begins to talk less and less, okay? <laughs> My kid is a talker. He's awesome, but, man, he, he talks, and he's asking questions, and he's telling jokes. And as we're getting closer and closer to this line, it probably took 15 minutes, man, he's just not saying hardly anything at all. And I'm looking at him, and he's just kind of like, what did I sign up for, okay? It's all fun and games when you're watching it from a distance, but he's in the line, and he's having second thoughts. And as we get to the, to the front of the, the line, we're kind of right there at the gate where they open it, and we're the next ones to ride. He's looking at me, and I'm like, Gabe, are you still want to ride? And he just didn't say anything. He's kind of like, 
you know. And so I say, Gabe, okay, okay we, don't, we don't have to ride it. It's no problem at all. But I want you to watch this car that's about to take off. Let's watch when they get back. Let's see if they're excited or if they're terrified or whatever. And then let's make the decision. And he's kind of like, okay. And so it gets back around, and sure enough, I mean, most of the people there, they're, they're excited, they're happy. No one is just crying or screaming. And so as the gates open, I'm like, Gabe, are we walking through and going down, or are we riding this? And he's kind of, I want to, let's ride. And okay. And so we sit down, and if you've ridden a roller coaster, you know you've got about 15 to 30 seconds before they lock you in and you are committed, okay? <laughs> Whether you want to be committed or not, once you're locked in, you're kind of like, I'm committed. And so I'm like, are you sure? And you can tell he is not sure at all, right? He's wanting to please dad. He's wanting to ride this, but he's being stretched, no doubt. Well, they, they buckle us in. And let me tell you, this dude, white knuckled. I mean, just like holding on both hands for dear life. And all of a sudden we start, and it's a really slow climb up the top of this roller coaster, okay? Because what's about to happen is really fast down. And, man, I'm telling you, as we're going up, this dude is just pale. He's holding on. Uh, we're praying. Listen, if Gabe wasn't saved before, like he got saved going up that, that roller coaster, right? Man, you get close to God, man, when you go into stuff like that. Some of you may need to go bungee jumping or something, man, get, get right with God. And so, anyway, we go up, and, and we go down, and, and there's two, like, loop-de-loop things. And by the second one, his hands are in the air, and he's having fun, and he's screaming, and he's going crazy. And it was awesome. And listen, we get off the ride, and he's acting like, you know, no big thing, you know, no big deal. I wasn't scared, no problem at all. And so uh, we had to go through the gift shop and, and buy a $25 t-shirt to commemorate the moment, right, that he'll probably only be able to wear for a few months. But listen, my my boy was stretched, but in that stretching, he overcame a fear in his life, all right? And uh, listen, that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes with us today is being stretched, because how many of us know at different times in our life, we are stretched, we are pulled. We're in a tough spot. And that's what I mean by being stretched. You're in an uncomfortable place. You're in a tough place. You're in a new place. You're in a difficult place. Um, listen, if you have small kids right now, you're probably being stretched. There's diapers. And if you have multiple kids, they're arguing at times. And, and you're not sleeping great sometimes. There's, there's diapers. You're always teaching. There's birthday parties every other day. Uh, what about times uh, at our job? There's times of stretching. You know, maybe we lost a job or we just started a new job or it's a busy time of year. Or you got a new boss or there's that employee that rubs you wrong um, or whatever. Maybe you're starting a business or maybe your business isn't doing well. There's times of stretching. You know, what about financially? Have you ever been in a financial pinch before? I mean, come on. You know, you got a house payment. Maybe you did change your job. You got laid off, whatever. Uh, maybe, you know, you just got a crazy electric bill. Hello. It's like 200 degrees here in Texas or Arkansas, and your electric bill is three or 400 bucks. We all want to go on vacation. Uh, maybe you just went to the doctor or had a procedure, and you're getting medical bills, and it's, you know, just adding up. We've been there before, all of us. What about relationally? You've been in a stretching season where you and your spouse, you're not seeing eye to eye, or maybe things are going crazy with your kids. You know, right now in the Jackson house, we are going through some stretching. 
You know, we uh, about 13 weeks ago, we got a little uh, baby girl that we're fostering. And listen, she is amazing. She is awesome. But we're going through some stretching in our house. Uh, that's that's four babies. And, and it seems like our two-year-old has been in the bed ever since we got this new baby. Um, you know, her, her feet are just in my rib cage most of the night. You just kind of get used to that. But our kids are playing sports. And there's music lessons. And there's church. And a couple of our kids have been sick over the last month or so. Come on. I don't have to keep giving examples. We've all been through times in our life where we have been stretched. We live in a very fast-paced, very expensive, very chaotic at times, very complicated world, and it's very easy to get stretched. It's easy to get stressed. It's easy to have a lot of things going on. It's sometimes it just happens where we're in a tough situation. And at least for me, over the last several months, I've been praying Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. And this is where Paul says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we are not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we're not what? Destroyed. And listen, even though you know things are kind of crazy in our life right now, I know that God is still good, that God is still faithful, that God's still going to come through, that God still cares for me, that God's still going to make a way. But it's encouraged me, I need to jump in, I need to pray more, and I need God to increase my faith during this season. And I believe there's some people in here this morning that God, as you're going through this stretching season, He wants to increase your faith. He wants to help you. I feel like there'd be a lot of people this weekend that you're going through maybe a situation uh, that I mentioned earlier. Maybe you're being stretched financially or at work or with your spouse or kids, and you're wondering if like a rubber band, you're just going to be pulled to some point where the rubber band just snaps. And I'm here to tell you right now, if you will hold on, if you will trust God, if you will be faithful, that's not going to happen to you. In fact, if you hold on, God is going to use the stretching to make your marriage stronger, to make your family stronger, to build your character, and to grow your relationship with God if during this stretching season you will hold on. Everybody say, hold on. Amen. Uh, so to help us today as we look at ways to increase our faith while we're being stretched, I want to look at four ways that are going to help us do that, increase our faith while we're being stretched. And I want to look at uh, the life of David, one particular story in the Old Testament where he's in a tough spot, but God comes through, and I believe it's going to help us. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24, and uh, as we're turning there, let's pray. Lord, today as we open your word, we thank you that you you're a good God. You're a faithful God. Lord, there's a lot of people in here that may be stretched right now. I thank you that you see them, that you care about them, that you love them. And I thank you today as we open your word, you're going to give us just uh, practical ways that we can keep the faith. Lord, that you are going to increase our faith right now. And God, we are going to stand even in the midst of tough times because you're faithful and we want to come towards you. Lord, so help us speak to people as I speak. There would be a voice within my voice. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 24. I'm going to read a few verses. It says, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel, and he went to seek David and his men in front of these wild goat rocks. Let's stop here for a second. I want to give us a little context to the story of David being in this place called En Gedi and just to kind of review things that have went on in David's life to this point. Uh, we know before David kills Goliath, uh, he's relatively unheard of. 
He's the youngest of his father's sons. His father's name is Jesse. He's a shepherd boy. Uh, He tended his father's sheep. That's what he did. But we also know that he was anointed at a young age to be the next king of Israel. We realize that King Saul is the first king of Israel. We realize that God rejects King Saul because of his disobedience. And we realize that God has placed his anointing on David to one be one day be the next king of Israel. So Saul has been rejected. God has chosen David. I think it's important to note David was chosen not because of his last name, not because he was a great fighter, but he was chosen because of his heart. He had a heart for God. And every day I pray, God, give me a heart for you. God, give me a heart to serve you, to love you, to worship you. So anyway, David has been anointed to be the king of Israel. Uh, and after that, after they pour oil all over his head and they have a little ceremony or whatever, he goes back to tending sheep. At some point in time, he goes and, and often he leads worship for King Saul. But he's anointed to be the king of Israel. But even though he's anointed, he's not the king yet. He has to be faithful in the season of life that he's in. And a quick question to us as we're moving through this, are we being faithful in the season of life that we're in right now? Are we being faithful with the job that God has blessed us with? Even though we may not love it, are we being faithful? Are we doing it excellent? Are we doing it well? Are we being faithful raising our kids? Okay. Sometimes we can be in a season that we don't want to be in, but we need to be faithful. Can I get amen? So David, he's tending the sheep until God presents an opportunity for him, and it ends up being this great opportunity. The opportunity that God presents to him through his, through his dad is there's a battle going on between the Israelites and the Philistines. The giant Goliath comes out. He challenges Israel. They are afraid. David's dad wants David to go bring some snacks to his sons who are in the battle and find out what's going on. Lo and behold, David is faithful to bring snacks to his brothers. It puts him in a situation where he is face-to-face with this giant that's taunting God, that's taunting the Israelites. And you know inevitably what happens. He picks up a rock, he kills the giant, and all of a sudden God does this great work in his life. Um, But it, it leads me to just think about this. Are we taking advantage of even small opportunities in our life to help people, to serve people, to bless people? You know, in our, in our culture right now, our culture has become very entitled. You know what I mean? It's like we feel everybody owes us something. And I'm here to tell us today, as Christians, we're entitled to nothing. God wants us to be a blessing and a light and get our hands dirty to help other people that need help. Amen? God doesn't want us to be entitled. God wants us to be like Christ. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to do what? to serve. I came to help people. So anyway, David kills Goliath overnight. He's a success. He's a rock star, and it's great for a while. Everybody loves David. Saul loves David. Saul gives him one of his daughters. We know not a long time goes by, and Saul becomes jealous. Saul begins to have anger towards David. Saul begins to hate David, and ultimately, Saul tries to kill David. And so the story that I just read as we picked up uh, just a few minutes ago, Saul has been chasing David, trying to kill him for four years. So that's a context of what's happened leading up into this. At one point in time, he's trying to kill him with a spear. So David is in the caves of En Gedi. He's running for his life. He has 600 men with him. And so that's where we are. Let's pick up and continue to read. Verse 3, it says, And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. 
And Saul went in to relieve himself. That means go to the bathroom. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and he left the cave and he went on his way. Okay, let's stop here for a second. This seems super funny to me. David is running for his life. He has 600 men hiding in these caves. And lo and behold, Saul comes in alone. He begins to undress and he begins to go to the bathroom because when nature calls, you got to answer it even if you're the king, okay? So that's what's happening. This story I wanted to set as a backdrop as we look at these four ways to keep our faith when we are being stretched. Here's way number one if you're keeping notes. If you want to keep your faith while you're being stretched, you have to listen to the right voice. The quickest thing that's going to hinder your walk with God is listening to a voice or voices that are not godly, okay? David, listen, is in a cave. He has hundreds of men with him. And for four years, David has been pursued by Saul because Saul wants to kill him. All of a sudden, basically, they're trapped in these caves. There's 3,000 enemies or 3,000 soldiers on Saul's side, and they are trapped in these caves. And I can guarantee you that these soldiers are thinking, oh, no. We've been running for four years, and we can hear them outside the caves. They don't know we're there yet, but if they stay long enough, they're going to find out, and we are going to have this showdown. And I know we're good fighters, but they got 3,000, and we got 600 Things do not look good. Have you been in a situation in your life where things do not look good? Let's be honest. We've all been in situations like this. You know, you lost your job and you're thinking, this is over. This does not look good. You know, or things are going not good with your spouse and you're thinking, I don't know where this is going to end up. Maybe you did your taxes and you find out, man, I owe a lot of money. I don't know how I'm going to pay this. You know, maybe your kids got in trouble. Maybe the bills have just piled up and you're thinking, I do not know what I'm going to do. This is a situation that David has found himself in. I've been running for four years. I'm in this cave. I don't know what I'm going to do. But then lo and behold, David, he sees a way out. Okay, imagine David in the cave. You can barely see a little light as they're hiding behind rocks. And all of a sudden, this big, tall soldier comes in. And this soldier has a really nice robe. And as you look harder, you see a crown on his head. And you notice that it's Saul. And I can guarantee you David's thinking, my problems are over. I'm going to kill this dude. And we're going to end all these problems that have been going on, right? Maybe, man, you're, you're in some financial trouble and you're at the gas station and you're like, man, that lottery's $50 million? Man, $2, I'm going to get a chance and my problems are going to be over, right? This is what David's thinking. I'm going to stick my dagger in him and all this stuff is coming to an end. What do the soldiers want him to do? Killing. They're tired of running as well. How many people in here you've ever gotten bad advice? Anybody? Anybody ever gotten some bad advice uh, on directions? Anybody in the house? You ever gotten bad advice? You ever gotten bad advice on, on buying a vehicle? Like, man, you need that vehicle. 
20% interest, man, that's no problem. Go for it. Man, you look good in that. Man, just to some young people out there, don't go buy a vehicle for 20 25%. Come on, get you a beater, drive it till it breaks, and buy you another one, right? Come on. Come on, at some point in time in our life, we have to listen to God's voice. Thank God that David was not influenced by people around him, even his friends. He had to hear God's voice. And at some point in time in our life, we have to be able to tune out everybody and know how God wants us to live and know how God wants us to behave. Every single day, we are being bombarded by voices. Voices on the television, voices on social media, advertisers, buy this, believe this, live like this. And I'm here to tell you, most voices that are out there today are not going to help your walk with God. They're going to hinder your walk with God. If you are immersed in, in new modern television shows and modern movies and modern uh, you know, music and social media from Facebook to TikTok, they have an agenda. You know that there's an agenda on all this stuff that's going on, right? There's an antichrist spirit that is running rampant in our country, and it has one goal for you and for I and for our kids. You know what that goal is? Complete depravity. There's an antichrist spirit that wants us and our kids to be broke, to be envious, to be jealous, to be lustful, to fall away from God, to fall into sin, to be prideful, and to just live a life that's pleasing us. There's a voice in culture that wants you to think that right is wrong and wrong is right. There's a voice in culture that wants you to fight for causes that are completely opposite of what the Bible tells us to do. You cannot get on social media today and not see people pushing causes that go completely against God's Word. I want you to think about it every single day. Think about, think about this. What is the subscription fee for Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube? The answer, if you did not know, is zero dollars. And so if it costs nothing, who's the product? It's us. They take our data, they sell it to advertisers who put that, that commercial or that ad on your screen to try to sell you stuff. There's an indoctrination that's going on, and we have to be aware of it. We have to be aware of the voices that are coming at us and that are coming at our kids, and it's the voice a lot of times of the enemy. You know, several weeks ago, uh, maybe this was a few months ago, uh, my two girls and I were watching uh, on YouTube, we're watching Peppa Pig, okay? You ever watch it? I don't recommend it. It's about pigs. It's terrible. Anyway, they like it. So we're watching this show, and all of a sudden an ad comes up. I think if you pay like 20 or 30 bucks, you don't get ads, but we cheapened the Jackson house, so we, we didn't do that. And uh, so anyway, this ad comes up, man, and, and listen, it, it's a drag queen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got a, a five-year-old and I got a two-year-old, and I'm, I'm trying to get the remote real quick. Are you with me? Listen, God loves them. God cares about them. God wants to save them and give them a great life. But I'm telling you, there's an indoctrination factor that the enemy is trying to do that as parents, we have to be aware it's not getting in us, but we also have to be aware that it's trying to get in our kids. It's every single day. The enemy has a voice. And I'm not saying, you know, you can't connect with friends on social media and all that stuff. But what I'm saying is the enemy has a voice. But you know what? God has a voice as well. And we have to listen to God's voice. We have to. And to hear God's voice, we have to be intentional. 
We have to pray. We have to read God's word. I love how when Jesus was tempted by Satan, what Jesus' response to Satan was, it was two things. When Satan came with his voice, when he came to tempt, when he came to deceive, Jesus did two things. He quoted scripture and he rebuked the enemy. When the voice of the enemy comes into our mind, comes into our house, comes into our kids' mind, we quote the scripture. To quote the scripture, you got to know the scripture, and then we rebuke the enemy. The enemy's going to get out of here. When the enemy comes into my mind about doing this, that, or the other, I'm going to push the enemy aside, and I'm going to connect with God. Thank God that David did not listen to his men. He didn't listen even to some of his friends. It wouldn't have been very honorable for David to take the throne by sticking a knife in the back of the king, particularly while he was going to the bathroom. How honorable is that? That's called murder. I can guarantee you, though, that David wants to kill this guy. But you know what? I'm not going to do anything unless the Lord tells me to. I'm going to listen to God's voice. We have to let God's voice once again be the greatest voice in our life and the lives of our family. You know, we talk about America a lot and the direction America is heading, and I firmly believe the reason that we're in this predicament that we're in, and it's only going to get worse unless Christians begin to hear God and do what God wants us to do. It's us. We have to follow God. We have to push uh, all these things that the enemy's trying to do in our lives away, and we have to spend time with God. If right now in your life you are being stretched, The greatest thing that you can do to keep your faith is to connect with God, is to pray, is to seek God, is to dive down deep. If you are holding on right now, marriage isn't looking good, finances aren't looking good, your health's not looking good. It's not a time to disconnect from God. It's a time to reach out to God. God, I need you. God, help me. And I'm telling you what, God is faithful and he'll do it. Amen? So let's keep going. Uh, As we move on, second point to keep our faith while we're being stretched is to wait on the Lord. Okay, sometimes this may seem cliche, wait on the Lord. And I'll be honest, I have a love-hate relationship with this point. But God, a lot of times in our life, when we're in a season that we don't want to be in, God is using that season so we will wait on him and to trust him. Back to the story. Think about David. He's run for four years. He's tired physically, emotionally. Uh, You think that he's tired of waiting? He's been anointed to be the king 11 years before this. And he's still not the king. So he sees Saul. Everyone wants him to kill Saul. Saul comes into the cave. And, and this is just me, but I bet this is what's going on in David's mind. I believe when he sees Saul, I don't think anybody had to tell him anything. I think he grabbed his knife, and whether he's crawling or just sneaking around rocks, I think he's thinking God has delivered this enemy. I'm going to stab him, and I'm going to be the king, and it's all going to be over. And I think right before he's about to get him, I think the Lord speaks to him, and he says no. And I can guarantee you David's like, what? You already said that you were going to deliver my enemies into my hand. He's right here, but God said no, and I can guarantee you David's thinking why. Have you ever asked God why? God, why am I not healed? I've been praying. God, why has this not happened? Why is my marriage not turned around yet? Why have I not got, you know, this breakthrough at work? I'm here to tell you God is faithful even when we don't understand his timing. Again, for 11 years earlier, he has been anointed to be the king of Israel, but he's not the king yet. And God brought Saul along, I believe, to put in front of David to some degree as a test. David, during this stretching, during the season that you're in, that you don't want to be in, are you going to be faithful to me? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to wait upon my timing? 
That's a hard thing to do. When you are struggling, when you are hurting, and you just feel like as you pray, God, where are you at? I'm telling you, God is faithful and he's there, but sometimes we want God to hurry up when God's sitting back and he's allowing things to happen in our life. It's important to note that God did not cause these things to happen. He did not cause your pain or your heartbreak, but God will use them to some degree to build your faith, to build your character, to give you a story where you can share with other people. Waiting is a hard thing to do. You just heard uh, Miss Barbara Riley talk about, you know, getting a transplant a year ago. And I can remember, you know, several years ago when I was going through all the kidney issues in my life, being on a transplant list for several years, being on dialysis for a couple years. As I'm praying, I know God loves me. I know God's faithful. But I guarantee you I'm praying, God, where you at? God, I, I need this to happen. I'm tired of being hooked up to, to this bag. I want to play with my kids like I, I know I, I should be playing with my kids. And I didn't understand what God was doing at the time, but God was refining me. God was developing character. God was developing faith. If it just happened just like that, you wouldn't have to rely on God. And I tell you something God has done in my life through that experience that I don't think I would ever be able to have done that without that was he gave me compassion for people. He's helped my walk with him grow deeper and deeper. And I'm telling you, if you're in a season of waiting right now and you don't understand, do not give up because God is doing something in you that on the other side you will understand and you'll be able to impact people like you never could before. I believe the struggle that David is going through is not completely all about Saul chasing him. That's a big problem when your father-in-law is throwing spears at you. That's a problem, no doubt. I think the major problem is he's not king yet, and he doesn't understand why. He understands if he stabs this guy, he's probably going to be the king. But for some reason, God wants him to wait. And again, I want to ask you the question, will you wait on God? Will you trust God during the stretching season in, in your life? Will you allow God to be God? Are you going to step back and, and disconnect, or are you going to step into God? God, I'm just going to do my thing because you haven't done what I've wanted you to do on my timetable, and I'm just upset with you. There's some people in here today that you're upset with God. God has big enough shoulders to take it, but he wants you to know he cares. He wants you to know that you in his presence and you ex receiving his love is the greatest thing ever. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says this, They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, a lot of people today, you're not in a life stage maybe that you want to be. You want a better job. You want more money. Maybe you want to be married right now and you're not. Maybe you're in college and you're ready to be done. Maybe you're real close to retiring and you're just not there yet. I want to tell you, don't give up on God. Keep holding on even though you're not in the situation that you want to be. Don't check out. Don't push away from God. Don't start drinking and, and popping pills. Don't go to the bar and try to find uh, your, your husband or a wife. Don't go give in to that one-night stand. Allow God to do a work in your life. And you know what? God gives us grace while we're waiting. He does. He gives us grace. Some of you right now, you're in a cave. But I'm telling you, if you will hold on, if you will wait, you're not going to stay in that cave forever. God is going to move on your behalf, okay? So David has just uh, resisted the urge to kill Saul. Instead, though, David cuts off a little part of his robe. I, I love how the Bible includes this uh, in the story. Anybody got a little David inside of you? All right, God, I ain't going to kill him, but I'm taking this robe. Right? God, I ain't going to do that, but I may do this. 
I love David, man. David, like, he's like us, okay? Here's the third point on keeping our faith um, while we're being stretched. It says, when you are stretched, do not fall into sin. When you're going through a tough time in your life, financially, uh, just relationally, whatever at work, do not give in to sin. Don't give in to sin. I guarantee you when you are being stretched, the enemy, he's coming at you. I bless you with that today. If you're being stretched, the enemy's coming at you. You ever watch the Discovery Channel? A few of us do. Sometimes when the lion's on there and, you know, the guy's, you know, narrating, you know, the lion. I love these guys talking, but they're going after the antelopes. Which one does the lion get? The one that falls down. The one that's got a, you know, a problem. The one that's the weakest. When we are at our weakest, the enemy's coming. Look what 1 Peter 5, 8 says. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. At our weakest, he's coming. Okay? When you're in the place of being stretched, the enemy's going to throw everything and the kitchen sink at you so you will fall, so your relationship with God will be taken back, and so that your impact on other people around you will be nothing. That's what the enemy wants. That's what he's done from the very beginning. Think about Samson for a second. And I don't have time to dive into his whole story, but Samson, he was stretched. If you read the story of Samson, Samson had a stressful job, okay? I I don't know how stressful your job is. His job was killing Philistines. Every day the Philistines are trying to trap him and to kill him. He was a judge. His job was stressful. To make the stress even worse, he gets married. He has a wife. He goes off to fight for a little bit. He comes back. They've taken his wife and given him to his best friend. Man, that's the days of our life right there. That's not good. So what does Samson do when he's being stretched? Does he reach out to God? Does he keep the faith? Does he he wait on God? Does he seek God? Does does he resist the enemy? No. Samson goes and hooks up with the prostitute, then Delilah. When the enemy comes, we either say, enemy, come on, just knock me down a little bit more. Or we say, "Uh uh-uh, you're not going to do it. Samson, he allowed the enemy to have place in his life, and as a result, he fell. And I'm here to tell you, if you're being stretched right now, the enemy is tempting you with lust, with pride, with stealing, with cheating on your taxes, with pulling away from God. That's the bad news. The enemy is coming. The enemy is at your door. The good news is so is God. The good news is God is there and God cares. The good news is, James 4, 7 says this, that when we resist the devil, what does the devil have to do? He has to flee. So when the enemy is chirping in your mind, the enemy's trying to get you to think you're worthless, you're never going to be married, you're never going to be restored to your spouse, your kids are never going to make it, you're never going to get a promotion, you resist the enemy and he has to flee. David is in the cave, he's being tempted, I guarantee you, to kill Saul and look what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 24, uh, verse 11. He says, I have not sinned against you, though you hurt my life and try to take it. Come on, when you are in the fight, when you're being stretched, when you are stressed out, when you have pain going on in your life, you reach out to God, you pray, you worship, you fight, because God is going to help you, and it's worth it. It's worth it to fight. I didn't say it was easy, but I said it's worth it. And the good news is God gives us grace during our battle. Listen, side point, before uh, we hit this last point, if you have sinned or you have fallen into, fallen into sin, be quick to repent. Listen, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Me, more than everybody. 
The good news is when you do mess up, God is faithful to forgive us when we repent. God doesn't want us to fall into sin, but if you mess up and you fall into sin, repent, turn from that sin. One of the things I love about David is throughout his story in the Bible, David messed up a bunch all the time. Every other page, Dave's doing, David's doing something dumb. What I love about him is he was quick to repent. David did not want God's presence to go away from him. He wanted to stay close to God. And the few times that he messed up, he repented, and you don't see him fall into those things again. If you compare, in fact, the life of Saul compared to David, David fell more than Saul did. The difference is David was closer to God and saying, God, forgive me. I repent. I turn from that. I want your presence in my life. I pray that we would choose to be a David instead of a Saul or a Samson when sin comes in and we mess up. God forgives you when you mess up. And some of you need to hear this today. You feel condemnation because of some things that you've done. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. God forgives us. God restores us. He doesn't punish us and make us, you know, walk all the way back up. God restores us to where we were. Amen? Some of you need to know God loves you and he cares about you. So let's wrap this up. The band can go ahead and come to the front. I want to finish this story. I love how it ends. The Bible says this in verse 8. Afterward, David also arose and he went out of the cave. And he called after Saul, my lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth, and he paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks to harm you? See, Saul's listening to the wrong voice. That's why he's doing that. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hands in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Verse 16. As soon as David had finished speaking these words, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice, and he wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Then verse 20 says this, Behold, I know that you shall surely be the king, and the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Isn't this awesome? Saul has been hunting David for years. David has the opportunity to kill Saul. David listens to the voice of God. He spares his life. And you know what? Because I believe of his faithfulness, God allows Saul. God, Saul does not chase David anymore after this. And in just a few short years, David is the king of Israel. And the only thing he could say of how I became the king of Israel is God did it. It wasn't me. And ultimately, that's what God wants us to see in our life. It wasn't us that just pulled up our pants and made it happen. It was God who did a work in our life. Here's a final point tonight. When you are being stretched, remember that God honors our faithfulness. I fully believe if David kills Saul, David doesn't become the king of, of Israel. When we obey God, when we wait for God, when we have faith, when we repent of our sins, God takes care of us. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it's worth it. And once again, God's grace comes in there and he helps us along the way. God had a plan for bringing Saul into that cave. It was for somebody to die that day and it was not Saul, it was David. It was his will, it was his pride, and I believe when David spared Saul and listened to God, God knew that he had his man that would be the next king of Israel. Not just the king of Israel, but the lineage that Jesus Christ would come through to save us of our sins, to save the whole world. Amen? Who is Jesus referred to in all the Gospels? Son of David. 
See, a lot of us are going through struggles and stretching and pain and heartache right now. And I'm telling you, God wants to get you through that for two reasons. Number one, because he loves you. Because he cares for you. And God wants to restore what the enemy's trying to take. But secondly, God wants you to get on the other side so you have a story and a testimony to help people that are in the same spot as you. Saul's fight was more than just a fight about himself. It was a fight for those to come. And I'm here today talking to some parents right now saying the fight, the struggle, the stretching that you're going through right now, if you will be faithful, if you will wait on God, if you will repent of your sins, God will do a work in your life and your kids will benefit from it. But you got to hold on. Amen. I know there's some people in here this morning as I'm about to close that you're being really stretched that you're going through a tough time right now. You have been diagnosed with something in just the last few weeks. You have problems. You have bills. You have hurt. You have pain. You have heartache. You're really stressed. I believe God's word to you is this. Don't give up. Hold on. God's going to come through. Amen. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You know, as I was studying uh, just for this message a few days ago, What's interesting about this place called En Gedi is this area is mentioned earlier in Genesis chapter 14. This is the area, if you remember, when Lot was taken captive and Abraham basically, he rallies an army to go take back Lot. This is the same area where Abraham defeats the Amalekites. And I'm here to say today, God wants to remind you of battles that he's already won in your life. Because some of the stuff that you're looking at right now looks like it's never going to be possible. And God wants you to remember he was faithful with that and he'll be faithful with this. You had a problem in your marriage before and God came through and God's going to come through again. You had a problem with your walk with God. Maybe, you know, you were just down and then God restored that passion. I'm telling you, God can do it again. You've had a financial problem before and God came through and God wants you to know he can do it again. Believe that. God's going to get you through. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. I want to pray for us. And before I pray, I just want you to know, man, God loves everybody in here. He cares for you. I I, I felt like there would be a lot of people in this service that you're being stretched right now. And I want to specifically pray for you. If that's you, you're being stretched. I'm raising my hand. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray over you. Leave your hands up. Lord, I pray for my friends right now. I pray, Lord, that you would help them in this season of stretching. Help them in this season where things are just maybe chaotic or tough. God, I thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient for us. God, that you care for your people. I pray for peace. I pray for comfort. God, I pray, Lord, that they would be able to hold on. God, I thank you that you are near to us right now. Lord, people that are sick, people that are brokenhearted, I pray that you would touch them, that you would heal them, that you would restore them. People with financial difficulties, I pray that you would give them favor. And God, I pray that you would help us not lose our faith. And I pray that our faith would grow in this season. Lord, bless my friends with faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Listen, I want our prayer team to come up. And as the team is about to close in just one song, if you have any prayer need, we want to agree with you in prayer. Maybe you want to stand in the gap for a loved one. Maybe you need prayer for yourself. Or maybe you're in here today, and, and just to, to, to echo what Pastor Mike said earlier, maybe you're in this place and you are away from God. You need to know two things. God loves you, and He cares about you, and He has a plan for your life. And the second thing you need to know is that our sin, though, separates us from God. 
The good news is Jesus died a brutal death on the cross so we could be restored to God, so we could have eternal life in heaven one day, but so we could have an overcoming life here on the earth. Jesus can take away our sins because Jesus never committed a sin. Jesus lived his whole life. He was tempted in every way just like us, but he never sinned. And because he never sinned, he could take on our sins. And that's what he did on that cross. If you're in this place today and you've never received Jesus, you've never repented of your sins, and you've never believed in Christ and made a commitment to follow him, today can be the day that you do that. Or maybe you're in this place and you've walked away from God. I'm telling you, today you can take a step back. Today you can come back into his presence. Today God can forgive you and he can put you right back where you were and even closer to him. And if that's you, I'm going to be right over there at that cross and I would love to pray with you about getting right with God or coming to Christ. Amen. Listen, our prayer team is up here. We want to pray about any needs that you have. We're so glad that you are here today. Listen, let's lift our hands for another song. And our prayer team is here. God bless.